Dr. Bronstein. Good afternoon, Rebalta. How are you? I am doing well, Baruch Hashem. Uh, uh, I don't know Rebbe Benjamin's name is Rebalta Yeshua Benjamin, I believe. That's as of last that, check. It's very impressive um, that you remember that. Um, yeah. I spent years um, in therapy trying to analyze why my parents gave me so many names. Yeah, um, what's, the, what's the reason? Still have not come to a clear conclusion. Um, it has impacted my life in ways which are too numerous to uh, to account for at this point in a short podcast. But I would like to welcome everybody to said podcast, to the Orthodox podcast. I am Binyamin Yudin, and uh, this is my colleague, Dr. Abraham Bronstein Saidi. How you doing, Amir Tzok? Good, Binyamin. Good to be with you again today. Thank you. Good to be back. It's been a little while. It has been. Yeah, Barakson has been winter break over here in Cincinnati, and I had Simchas to go to. And Barakson, we've been busy, but we're back and ready, ready to roll. We are ready to roll. Um, so maybe let's let's dive right into it because we received um, in the beginning of January an email asking us to talk about a specific topic. We love these sort of emails. And this email was about the topic of drug and alcohol addiction. Um, and like, I, I think it's worthwhile to like talk about the use of these substances. Is it bad? Um, especially with the prevalence now of cannabis being legalized. Um, and how like, uh, by the way, you're not supposed to call it marijuana. You know that, right? Right, right. Because that's racist. Yeah. It was originally called marijuana specifically um, because it was a way of demonizing it um, due to its use for, uh, by Mexican um, immigrants, undocumented or otherwise. And so now the, the woke way to talk about it is to call it cannabis. Isn't there a new way also? Isn't there a new word besides the cannabis? There are, there are many words now. There's There's pot, there's weed. Well, pot and weed are old ones. There's cannabis, but there's a new, I don't know. Okay. I don't know. I guess this is beyond my expertise. Maybe it's. And know. it's very interesting. We're talking about cannabis. So I have opportunity every once in a while to drive north. Right. And, <laughs> and, and head into Detroit for various reasons. It's not important right now why. But anyway, <laughs> as you're on 75, the I-75, and you're headed into, and you come into Michigan, mm -hmm. there are a tremendous amount of signs um welcoming you and welcoming you to to cannabis and the mm -hmm. first one actually is hilarious i have to get a picture of it it says because it, it, in ohio when you come to ohio it says welcome to ohio you can find it here and there's like a map of ohio mm -hmm. and the first sign i believe it's the first sign welcoming you to michigan it's like poking fun saying basically you can't find cannabis and it's, so it's like a play on the words <laughs> you cannot find it here you can find weed here that's correct Michigan. yeah that's correct yeah there is a town right across the border from toledo where people will drive and like make make a trip right across the border yeah you have to be careful coming back because the cops will stop you for some minor infringement and if there's any smell in the car they could bust you especially if you have over a certain amount, which then you could they could bust you with intent to distribute, which is a federal offense. You got to be it's unbelievable. And I know I know people who go across to you know to 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 get some marijuana, and the industries usually also the, the, there are dispensaries opening up oh, all yeah. across Michigan. Yeah, 
Oh yeah. Oh yeah. It's, it's big business. But the, the, the truth is that, you know, if we look at cannabis, like alcohol, um, it's a little bit different, right? Like, like the idea that, you know, people get together on Shabbos and have a Lachaim is not, there's not much stigma associated with it. Right. And right, but I think one time before, I think before we get started on that, you know, the emails that were sent by this individual, there are really two separate topics and not two separate ones. There are two in Yon which are connected. So number one, so she asked us to address the idea of alcohol and drug addiction um, vis-a-vis the lens of psychology and through the lens of Torah and how that, mm-hmm. you know, they interact, which is really what this podcast is really, you know, geared towards, you know, um, that's number one. And then the second idea is um, if it's not done in an, taking the addiction part out of it, if you can. So what's the, what are our thoughts and what are the Torah's thoughts and what's psychology's thoughts on the use of, use of substances when, when done or if it's being done in a way which is not addictive or not leading to addiction, which, you know, obviously those two things are connected yeah. but but they can be separated also so i think we have to i think we have to address both of these pathways both in terms of you know is there a healthy maybe even positive usage of um of substances and how that could that could be used and the other way and then speak about addiction yeah i i agree um i think it's also like helpful to define the term addiction yes and and there are times that like you know, even if the, it's not addictive behavior, but you're clearly abusing the substance. Like if a person drinks to the point of throwing up, they're abusing the substance. If a person drinks to the and point abusing where, their body, right. And, and right. Yeah. The person drinks to the point where they are not functioning in the way that they would regularly function, whether they do things that are embarrassing or, you know, that th- that's abusing the substance. And that's an important thing to recognize also. Right, and there also may be distinctions, and and again, we could talk about this, and it's not specifically my area of expertise, but I, you know, there is a machlaikas, quote unquote, amongst various therapists and researchers and doctors and rabbanim about, you know, is alcohol in fact different than marijuana? Because, like you said, cannabis is becoming much more prevalent and right. much more legalized in many states, and it's getting, it's only getting more and more, and some are arguing. That why should cannabis be different than alcohol? Um, so I think that's an important discussion to have, um, even just to talk it through a little bit. Well, I guess maybe baseline hashkafa, like the question of using a substance to experience physical pleasure. Is that something, I mean, from, from a psychological perspective, you know, I would I would ask much more like what are you trying to gain that you're not feeling in your everyday life, um, and if it's just like you know a person a person comes home they want to take the edge off like you know a person enjoys this like and it's not disrupting their life, usually that's the bar right and you know in, in a more psychodynamic atmosphere we would we would of course explore the relationships that they've had and the, and the way that this substance was treated in their family. Um, but from like a Torah perspective, um, what about the idea of I want to feel physically good, and so I'm going to take in this this substance, wh- whatever it is. Let's, let's say it's alcohol. Is right. that a problem according to Torah Hashkafa? Right, that's an excellent question. I think we we mentioned it in passing. Maybe when the daf 
was up to it in the Dharma, and it's fascinating because yesterday's daf in Nazir um, had the same Gemara. It said, why are we calling a Nazir a chayte? And it's Machlegas Tanoim, but the Gemara says that Rabbi Lazar Akapar, Berebi, says the reason is because that he that he he pained himself from not from not imbibing from not drinking wine and the Gemara says it's a kal v'chaimer. So Umaza, someone who is tzir who prevents himself from drinking wine, is called a chayte. So it says called If someone prevents himself from partaking and enjoying the things that are mutter, he's called a chayte. So. Mm-hmm. Right away, you know, the question is asked, you know, what about the Ramban in the beginning of Parashat Kedashim? It says, So we spoke about this in a previous episode, you know, you know, when to, you have to know when and how and why and where the person's holding and, you know, and, and um, you know, there's a time and place for both, for both mm-hmm. of, of these Hashkafas within Yiddishkeit in terms of and also if someone, Hashem says something, mutter, it's mutter. But I think what you're asking is, um, you know, getting to the Indian, that's just all pleasures of life in terms of things that are mutter. In terms of wine itself, so th- that that the, that's a stepping stone for a further conversation in terms of your wine specifically has components that is not just enjoyable in terms of it's not like a piece of meat, but it also has a certain effect on, on a, it has a psychological and emotional effect on someone. Right. 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 So I think that's what you were asking. Right. Does that make a difference though? Is the question. Right. Like if it right. if it changes your if it changes the way that you feel within your body, not not just that you you are enjoying something like like a right. steak, but it changes the right. way you feel within your body. You know, and so, so I would say the answer is similar. The, I would say the answer is similar. You know, obviously it's it's not so it's not not so simple, but you know, the Pasuk says and mm-hmm. um there's clearly a place for wine in halacha and in the tire and the, you know this wine is born in the mesacham and the mezbeach. Clearly, alpiatire it's meant to be used in a way um, th- that's that uplifts a person. And right. or you say, you know, you give you an oval, you know, there's a time that wine is meant that that seems to be, you know, just at first glance, the tire is mandating and saying that the, the wine is is appropriate to use. Right. Right. In certain contexts and in certain places. Right. So so I think that that like we're very careful with things that are very potent, right? And and drugs and alcohol are potent. And I spoke um uh last year to to the to Atara to the girls high school about like um use of of technology and how like to say it's it's de- to say that it's negative is not true to say that it's positive is not true it's very neutral but we but it's potent and if it has an impact it has an, a strong impact there's no there's no middle ground the same thing with a lot of these substances because they cause they they cause a, a shift in the way that we think and the way that we feel and the decisions that we make, and they do it pretty quickly. Um, and so, like, I think we have to be careful about that. I I think one thing I want to add also is that when when you're an adult and you've experienced ups and downs in life, so there's a lot more context in things and and. Uh, you can recognize, you know, this too shall pass. You know, you you can have sort of that patience. 
when you're an adolescent and things are really, you know, intense and difficult because you don't have the context of, yeah, I'm, I'm miserable. I'm even miserable for a period of a couple of months. Um, but, you know, I, I will come out of this. There's there's such a concept of doing hard things like you don't have that nearly as much. Of course, within a continuum, some adolescents are different than others, but it is a dangerous thing to find something which shifts the way that you feel emotionally so powerfully. Right. Because when you don't have context, like, oh my gosh, I can do this thing, whether it's alcohol or drugs or whatever it is, or any other sort of behavior and activity, which shuts off this bad feeling. Why would I not want to do that? Right. I think that's a great way of putting it. You know, besides the fact that the prefrontal cortex is not fully developed and, you know, in terms of decision-making and emotional regulation, but you're, I like the way you're putting it, which is why there are laws, um, you know, American laws in terms of the no age of buying alcohol and other substances. And, and you're right. And, and even without the American laws, even, you know, obviously you, you we see this in of Naziris because right. wine could be a thing, which is mamshik and which could be used inappropriately or overused. And we see how Chazal speak about how shikras is not a good thing, you know, one mm-hmm. time a year, that's it. Um, so yeah, it's, it's a, you have a good point that in terms of age is a good way of you know making that distinction that that adults have more of an ability to drink in moderation and and understand context that I like that right i think I think context is 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 so vital i i I used to work um with adolescents who had uh, substance abuse issues and they had a choice of whether they would go to to um juvie or whether they would you know go into therapy and so i used to run this group this was back in the early days of my career and these kids would this was in um you know before uh the election of uh 2012 so we were still in the obama era and in 2012 they they reelected him i think right right so that's what i'm saying we were we were in the midst of his first term Oh, okay. And he was he was going to be reelected, which is, you know, clear. And um, and one of the kids right, said, the Republicans put up a week. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You know, do you want to get into politics right now? Or are you going not to necessarily? Get into... <laughs> you, like you don't McCain, want to okay. not get into politics is what you're saying. <laughs> I, just, I, don't, I don't want to get into politics. I just want to listen at that time in, in, in 2000 before 2012, George Santos was already 65 years old. <laughs> so like he, you know, he was too old for, for to run for. for oh, anyway, um, the, the kids used to always say. Why, why, why am I in here? Like Obama's going to legalize it soon anyway. Like that was like a, you know. Right. And, you know, like I, I would say to them, first of all, uh, President Obama's not legalizing it. Second of all, even if he does, it's going to be 21 or over. And third of all, you can't deal with every single problem in your life by getting high. Right. But when you're a teenager, especially a lot of these kids came from generational poverty. And I mean, they had these, Saris, you wouldn't believe these kids uh, in, in Middletown, Ohio, do a little Google search. You'll see how- yeah, I used how, to work there also. So yeah. Right, it's not not great. Um, no. it, it, most of them did not have the capacity to have problem solving skills or even to right. say, okay, like the fact that I feel bad right now um, is something which can and will pass, Right. So I think that I think that we have to divide that out. That 
of course, adults in moderation, talking specifically about alcohol, adults in moderation, there's there's a place for it in Torah Ashkafa, the Zichar, a place for it when it comes to, you know, a person's mental health. That, you know, we get together, we have a l'chaim, you know, it's it's not a crazy thing. Is there makam to overdo it? Absolutely. I mean, you and I have both seen people who just out of their kalim on just a regular Shabbos morning. That's not a normal way right. for a person to be. Something's going on there. But for, for adolescents, they have to recognize that they're looking for ways to deal with the normal challenges of life. And when they find something like drugs or alcohol, and it's not within the context of like, I'm also learning skills, uh, right. problem solving skills. It, it can be very dangerous. Right. It's a quick, it's a quick fix to, but it's not really a fix, but it's a, it's a release of, from all their problems in a very instant way. Right. It's a very good point. Yeah. And I think like, you know, there are times we, you know, I I had once like a really bad gallbladder attack. I no longer have a gallbladder. And if you've seen something different about me. You no lo- longer have a gallbladder? I do not have a gallbladder. Okay. Yeah, I just put that out there. I'm a little embarrassed about it, but I do not have a gallbladder. No problem. But there was a, there was a, I had a terrible gallbladder attack. I'm not going to judge you for it, by the way. Yeah, I still And I, I appreciate that. I know this is a judgment-free zone and I appreciate that. Yep. Um, and I, I went to the hospital, I had terrible, terrible pain. I mean, indescribable pain. Um, and they gave me a painkiller, which is one of the most powerful painkillers that they have. And it instantly took away the pain. And like the euphoria was unbelievable. And I understood like at that moment, why people are addicted to heroin. Like it made perfect sense to me. Right. Um, when a person like even neurologically creates those pathways that when I have some sort of pain, emotional or physical, I can not only take it away, but I can create euphoria. Everything else is going to pale in comparison. Right, and that's how addiction develops. And that's why it's so hard to get over an addiction, not just physiologically, but also emotionally and mentally, because something, if you had a quick pathway from A to Z without going through the whole ABC, right? and it worked instantly. Now, obviously, it didn't, it's not a long-term fix because it, you know, it has terrible side effects and mm-hmm. it's not really real. Um, and then you have to go through the A, B, C, D, E. It, it's a very, very, very difficult thing. And that's why you see um, people who have addiction problems, how, how difficult it is to get, to get over. Right. It is, it is very hard. Even something like smoking cigarettes, like, you know, it's it is it's a quick fix. I mean, you no matter what the situation is, like if you are an addicted smoker, no matter what, how bad the situation is, you always have that ace in your pocket, like that you can pull out a cigarette, light it, and it will take away your nicotine craving, right? So it really solves the problem that you created yourself by being addicted to nicotine. But right. you now have to think about things in a very different way. And that that's hard. That's very hard. But I thought with cigarettes, it's not it's not as bad because the fix, it's not the euphoria. No. Um, right. So, so, so the, since the euphoria is not as high, so it's not like really the person feels like, okay, now I have no problems anymore. It's like a, a short sense of relief. Again, I'm not right. saying it's not a good thing, but it's not um, It's not the same level. That's why it's not a banned substance. Right, right. Um, but just, I mean, just like cigarettes, we don't usually smoke in moderation. I'm all, you have people that can right. do that, but... Um, and so I think that that like talking about cannabis like is is um for for adolescents is extremely like important that like they recognize what this does to them and the way that it creates things neurologically. 
We also haven't had enough study of cannabis to know whether or not it has real effects long-term in a person neurologically. There's, right. there's a lot of reasons for that, like why, why it hasn't been studied, most of them political. But Let me ask you a question, Mignon, because I, yeah. I'm like on the fence with this, and I, I don't have enough experience or research in this specific area. The debate that I mentioned earlier, um, there's some people say that cannabis should be exactly like alcohol. Let's say for adults now, for adolescents, you're 100 percent right, and uh, you know it's it's dangerous. Anything which could have this kind of, um, you know, you a quick instant fix and could be so addictive. But let's say for adults, are you of the opinion, and are you of the opinion that cannabis should be treated like alcohol? Um, no. No, because it it's very different. Um, it's why because it is more um, it is easier to function when a person is a little bit high than it is when a person is a, is a little bit drunk. And I don't. I'm not saying that therefore we should be more lenient with cannabis. I'm saying therefore um, it needs to be looked at as a completely separate category. Like it's you know it's it's something which. You know, there's there's such a thing as a beta region paradox, which is like when something is not so terrible, we tend to pay less attention to it, right? right. And to me, when something I, is, it's interesting. I was just hearing that on the radio. They were saying the Super Bowl was yesterday. I don't know. Um, they were saying that the allegedly Eagles some people were looking at Patrick Mahomes in the same way because they thought he was he was um he was a little bit injured. So that's the right. yeah right right right. So like the the way that this works is like let's say. Let's say something is a mile away, right? So I'll probably walk. But if something is five miles away, I'm not going to walk. I'm going to take my car. So right. if it's five miles away, I'll probably get there quicker than I would if it was a mile away, right? Alcohol is something which causes a person not to function in such a way that alcoholism is much more obvious. Whereas cannabis does not have that same effect at certain doses, so therefore, it's not as obvious that it could be a problem. But there are many problems with using it too much for for adolescents, for sure. But also because like there's it it is purely a physical pleasure, and like I mean, the, the idea that people like the taste of smoking and stuff like that, like I find that hard to believe. But it, it is a purely a physical pleasure. It's physical. It's also emotional. I have clients who, you know, they. They use it to treat anxiety, mm -hmm. and it helps a lot. But to to your point, I think the the addiction, you know, since it happens more slowly and over time, and in small doses, more easy to handle. So in a way, the addiction is worse than alcoholism. That's exactly my point. They become right. so dependent on it. Right. Right. So the question is, what's the problem with being dependent on something? Right. So if a person, right. if a person is taking an SSRI, like you know, some an antidepressant. Right whether, you know, something, a, a serotonergic sort of thing, right? And and you miss a dose, within a couple hours, you feel pretty miserable, right? Some more than another, right? right. Are you dependent on that? Yeah, you're dependent Absolutely. on it because if you miss a dose, you feel miserable. Um, but it's, it, it's not that if you take it, then you have a feeling of euphoria, right? There's a, a million questions in general right. about antidepressants, which is not, not I'm not going to get into that now, but like here, you're dependent on it to feel good. You're not dependent on it to feel normal. And if you are dependent on it to feel normal, you're probably not going to stay there. You're going to increase a tolerance and you're going to smoke more and more and more. 
and which is one of the hallmarks of addiction. Right. But I guess the people who would argue in favor would say some people do take it to feel, to feel normal. They they need to take it. I guess I think there are two kinds recently. They say there's the uppers and this one, but they take the the marijuana to feel normal. And they would argue, they would say, why is this any worse than an SSRI? There are no, you know, even though you're right that, you know, we don't know about the long the long term side effects. But they would say, you know, it's not impairing any of my functioning, any of my driving. I'm able to work well. I'm able to do this well. Why is it any worse? A hundred percent. And I'm not sure that they are wrong. Right. And and especially people who take it, who use it for pain. I'm not sure that they are wrong either. Um, but but for I pain for sure, now that's a whole different conversation for pain and for right. medical use. You right. know, it, it has now even within medical use, there's a whole question of what does medical use mean and getting a right. medical card. You have people who take a Loyalenu for a severe cancer, and, and that's what it's meant for medical yeah. marijuana. Mm-hmm. And then people take it for physical pain, which it's also meant for. But then, you know, if you come to if you like to have generalized anxiety disorder and you're using it for that, that's already. The next level over and that's right. really where our question comes in is it is it helpful is it just as good as an ssri or as a um as xanax or something like that or is it more dangerous i mean it's it's listen xanax or any benzodiazepine is a very dangerous drug right. as far as like the addiction and stuff like that but it, let's 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 that's, it, and that's why the, and that's why the benzos are so regulated also right right i, w- I would say this in terms of what I see in my practice, and I think that this would be true maybe from a Torah Hashkafa perspective as well, how much of your use or how much of the physical pleasure that you're seeking is a way of covering up, processing and analyzing things in your life that really you could be getting better at? Because it, it, no matter how you look at it, it's a, it's a, it's a temporary fix. Right. Right. And sometimes we need a temporary fix in order to take the edge off so that we're able right. to work on these things. But the the slippery slope, I guess, argument could be, you know, if I'm smoking every single day um, or however you take it in, if I'm t- doing it every single day, how much am I not working on myself? How much am I not like, what am I doing in therapy? Like, am I in therapy? Like, those questions have to be addressed, right? You just be say I would say the same thing with an SSRI. With SSRI, or you could say the same thing with ADHD meds for kids. Also, okay, it has a quick fix, but are, are you working on um emotional regulation skills and those kinds right. of things? Right. Right. So I, I think I think the conclusion really is that like for adolescents, it it, it can be downright dangerous. Um it's potential. For for adults, um, it's a question of moderation, and even moderation, um, it's a question of what else are you trying to get away from. Um, besides the fact that, like, we have to keep in mind that there's a there's a stigma that you know we don't want to, we definitely don't want our children seeing this, right? Because they don't really have the context, right? Like, so you can teach a kid how you can teach a kid how to drink. Right. So like, like in my home, so, you know, Friday night, my alleged children past a certain age, allegedly, if they, if they want to drink, I will pour them a little bit. So it's not, it's not, you know, my gnuvim, you know what I mean? Like it's right. A hundred percent. Um, And then you could teach them like teaching them to drink responsibly if they exactly, exactly. It's a very hard thing to do with taking in any cannabis. 
And so like, you have to already ask yourself if you have to hide it, you know, is it Kadai? The answer sometimes could be yes. The answer sometimes could be no. It really is, I think, up to the person to try to understand it, right? To try to understand what it is that they themselves are going for, right? Why are they using it? That's the question. Right. Nish Pashat. Yeah. There was somebody who got up, I think, at a some sort of a goodest convention and made a, a, a strong blanket statement against using this stuff and against being associated with people who use this stuff. And, you know, I I, I think it needs to be maybe a more nuanced conversation. Um, because... yeah, I, I don't know. I'm not sure. I, I, I haven't heard that. It's interesting. No, but I hear what you're saying. Um, it's interesting. Even in the Kashrus industry also, it's a whole question. Um, you know, should Kashrus um, industries give a hexer to edibles and stuff right. like that? And I think right. some do, some don't. And there's a lot of argument back and forth about why. You know, that gets into the whole question with Kashrus um, establishments in general. Should you give right. a hexer to an establishment that you're not happy with the kind of music they play or you right. know, some or other sort of thing that's not a kosher um, Indian, but something surrounding it. Right. I mean, there's, there have been several things like this over the years, um, but this, this particularly like gummies and stuff like that, right. that do have, I, I don't, I've, I've never seen them. I don't know what they have. It's some sort of ashkaka. Um, you know, is that perpetuating like this party sort of atmosphere but on the other hand, like, is giving a hashkacha on alcohol doing that, right? right. Is giving a hashkacha on the, there's no, there's, I mean, wine we have to have. Do you have to have bourbon? Do you have to have scotch? Do you have to have vodka? Do you have to have all of these things? That's a, and, and there's another problem with that in general. When you put a hechsher, and this is not, not a, this is just a maimar muska, this is a side thing. Another problem with giving a hechsher to alcohol is that you're being mighty lazal or shinim. You're making it look, it's like giving a hechsher on water. You make right. it look like without a hechsher, alcohol is, is not kosher, which is a different topic for a different time. Not really related to mental health specifically. More related to to Chama Shavu Pesach. Right. And Rav Bik. Yeah. Right. And we, we've, we've, we've quoted that. Those who want, want more information on this could reach out to me privately. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, I think, I think we, we left some on the table and maybe yeah. we'll talk about it again soon. All right. Okay. Binyamin. It's been a pleasure as usual. Same here. Zagazan. Thank Zai you. Zagazan. And take Have a great day. Bye bye. Ever thought about starting your own podcast? The Maverick Podcasting Network makes creating and running your podcast easy and fun. Visit maverickpodcasting.com to get started today.